Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there. Welcome to episode 32 of ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. On today's episode, we talk to Pyle Doshi of Real Sports and formerly of NBA Canada. We talk about the Bucks-Raptors series that just ended, the Raptors-Cavs series that is about to begin, and some other fun topics like how she ended up measuring her tiny hands against Giannis's huge hand four years ago in a viral photo, and whether or not she thinks Bruno Caboclo is still two years away from being two years away. Today's episode was made possible by Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgages, Rates, Integrity, Service. We are here with Pyle Doshi. She is the social media coordinator for Real Sports and the former social media coordinator for NBA Canada. Welcome, Pyle. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for uh, putting up with my audio difficulties. <laughs> this is our third go, but take three is going to be the best one yet. Um, yeah. We're here because we're excited about the Raptors Cavs series that is starting tomorrow night. We're recording on a Sunday. Um, but before we get to the, the ins and outs of this Cavs Raptors series, I wanted to ask you a couple of warm up questions. And so for starters, I'd ask you if you could pick one. Jersey, old jersey, some sort of souvenir item uh, related to the NBA on eBay. What what kind of thing would you pick out? I definitely think it would be a Vince Carter vintage Vince Carter Raptor dinosaur jersey. So with um, the actual dinosaur on it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Nice. Definitely old school throwback. Um, just marking his presence uh, coming to the city and just. When he he was definitely the guy that put Toronto on the map, so he's definitely played a pivotal role with the Toronto Raptors franchise. And I just feel like he will always ha- hold some sort of um, some some part within the Raptors community and franchise when it's all said and done. So definitely would love to own his vintage throwback dinosaur jersey. Excellent. So. Has the re- I know we could get so far afield with this, but has the reception to him over the years changed? Like over the last five years, has it gotten like a, a more of a warm relationship or has it always been pretty warm? I mean, how does the city react to him when he comes back? Most definitely. I think that when the Raptors did their 20th year anniversary, uh, they had a video montage that they had for Vince Carter and the entire arena just stood up and clapped and provided him with a standing ovation. I think um, people have now began to 
let go of what happened in the past and are now coming to terms with like, you know, Vince Carter, the athlete, Vince Carter, what he did for Toronto. Um, there's been all these different stories that we've heard about how he left, why he left. But at the end of the day, I think people just are now um, happy with with what he was able to accomplish here. And, um, you know, hopefully one day maybe he will go down in the Hall of Fame as a Raptor. You never know. But um, And hopefully one day they'll hang up his jersey in the Raptors at the Air Canada Centre too. So it's definitely evolved through the years. All right. Interesting. Well, another warm-up question that I have for you, and this one's definitely uh, personalized for you. You were talking about the Raptors Buck series last week, and you mentioned Giannis, and it, it jarred my memory about a picture that uh, you put up, I want to say, I guess this would be four years ago almost now, of your hand next to Giannis's when when he was first entering the league and people were realizing, you know, just, just how long he was. And so my question for you is, how do you get to the point where you're putting your hand up against his for what's a, a jarring photo? Because I, I think, and don't take this the wrong way, but I think you have small hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I... Uh, when I saw that come up on my Twitter feed, I was like, wow, like, I can't believe that took me back. And I'm like, you were so right. Everything finds a way to resurface themselves on the internet. Uh, it was an, it was a really cool moment. I remember um, that had happened, uh, as you mentioned, four years ago. I was doing um, my own show. It was called Always Looking Up in a Short Girl's World. And I was trying to think of creative ideas in which I could tell a story, um, especially of this new kid, Giannis. And, um, you know, we talked about the Greek culture a lot. Um, and at the time, he wasn't prevalent in English. Like, I think he was still learning it. Um, I mean, he's a good speaker when it comes to uh, when it comes to the English language. But at that time, he it was new to him. He was familiarizing himself. So um, I thought I'd do something fun with him. And that's um, so I had asked him um, and he was such a gracious, nice young guy. Uh, so I was just like, you know, let's try to do um like this hand picture because i think that you have one of the biggest hands in the league and um so we did a comparison and i remember um it making it to nba.com and then from there it just went viral and we all every time you'd come back we'd always do some sort of fun engaging thing like we once um measured my foot <laughs> against his <laughs> <laughs> and we posted that somewhere on the internet. And then um, he he's a big fan of like this Greek chocolate. I think it's, it's a particular brand. And um, I remember uh, the day of the game, my parents had taken me to, to this Greek, um, a Greek store. And um, I got him these first, like, uh, I think it was like two uh, Greek chocolate bars and brought them over to him. And I was just like, you know, I know like you love these chocolates so much. So here they are. And like, um, I did a little <laughs> interview thing with him. So it was kind of cute. Um, so every time, like now that I, now when I see him, I'm just like reminded of that chocolate that I gave him. And I wonder if he ate it and if that's what's made him better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember when he was a rookie, you know, he was, you know, he was, really good with the English language, but there, you know, his, I think in some interview, his parents had said that they gave all of their 
children Nigerian names because they, you know, they'd gone from Nigeria to Greece. And I wanted to ask him, you know, what was the Nigerian name that his mother had given him as a middle name? What's your Nigerian name? Ugo. And I was like, well, how do you spell that? And, you know, I didn't want to put him up to the challenge of the English alphabet because as good as he was in English, I mean, it's not his native language. So, I, you know, do you know the alphabet in that? And I was, you know, it was just awkward. So, I, you know, I gave him a pen and pencil, which is kind of like a no-no in the locker room because the Bucks PR director looks at me like, you're not supposed to be getting autographs in here. It's like, no, 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 I just want him to spell this word for me. And, you know, he wrote down his middle name for me. <laughs> he spelled oh, Ugo. I think it was O-U-G-K-O, but that's the Nigerian middle name that his mother gave him. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Actually, let's talk Bucks for a little bit here because you know I think that that Raptors Bucks series uh, from the last couple of weeks has been pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes, interesting to say the least. It got a little ugly, but um, <laughs> I, I was um, I was impressed with the way the Raptors were able to like close the series out in six games. As you know, their track record since um, Dwayne Casey has been the coach, they have been 0-3 in closing out game sixes. And um, it was the first one that they were able to finally close out. I think that comes with experience as well. And um, despite blowing that 25-point lead in the fourth quarter, they were able to just kind of compose themselves, rally back, and figure out a way to win. And I think that's that's the demeanor that they showed, and that's definitely what they have to take forward into the next series for sure. Um, I, I thought that Norman Powell was a big X factor in this series. I just, just the way that he performed, um, especially getting the start and just finding himself. Uh, I think he's an explosive young guy who sky's a limit for this guy. Um, in this series, he like was averaging 12 points per game and was showing us what we've expected from him. Sure, his numbers didn't reflect that during the regular season. I don't think he had enough of a chance to play um, as much as he may have wanted to, but he's, he's, he's so versatile, I find. And I think that whenever his name is called upon, he can always come into the game and he can always ignite something in the game to help, the Raptors succeed, and um, that's definitely one of the major factors that I I personally thought um, was huge for the Raptors in this series. So when when that twenty five point lead that they had in Game Six went down to nothing, what what were you thinking as it dwindled down? Like the Raptors, you know, for as good of, as they've been over the last you know six years or so. They've had this weird playoff history of losing game ones and doing funky things. What was your mindset going through it? Oh, it was um, so I was um, capturing the atmosphere within real sports, and I mean, everyone was just gasping at that. Point. <laughs> it's just like it's like silence. Like it's just like people are like they cannot believe what they are seeing. You know, the hands are flaring everywhere. Um, people are yelling at the TV and like at at that point I was just I was really frustrated but I like it's kind of weird but knowing how the Raptors perform I kind of expected that the Bucks would make a run like this right um 
And I just, I didn't want the Raptors to force a game seven. That was like, I just did not want that to happen, but they were able to like find ways to rally back. And, um, DeMar was a pivotal factor down the stretch. Corey nailing that three, two was huge. Um, I, I, I was as much as frustrated as I was. I, I knew that there was some way that the Raptors would come back and close this thing out. They had to. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you, when you mentioned Norm Powell, you know, the, you know, going back a few months when there were the trade rumors of Millsap for, you know, going to the Raptors or some other teams, it's like, well, mm-hmm. if they, you know, I didn't think it was a good idea to trade Millsap to the Raptors just because, you know, the Raptors don't have, let's say a top five or top 10 pick coming anytime soon. And I just, you know, it didn't seem like they were going to get enough value back. But at the same time, it's like if you make some sort of Millsap for a package deal, it's like, you know, I really want Powell to be in that package because he just has this determination and this toughness. Like, you know, it reminds me a little bit of of Dennis Schroeder on the Hawks where it's like, you know, if things are going bad, you need somebody that has confidence in themselves. And Powell seems to have that inner confidence, just like, exactly. okay, wait, wait, no, 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 that's not happening. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah, he he has that demeanor in, in himself. And, um, I mean, he showed that. He had a playoff career high, 25 points in game five. So, I mean, that tells you something about just how he's always game ready. Like, he always has that mentality. You know, when coach calls upon him, he will go in there and he will prove how much he can impact the game. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things, one of the reasons I'm intrigued by this Cleveland-Toronto series is that, uh, is that, you know, last year, Toronto was physical with the Cavaliers and, and, you know, they had a defense set up where, you know, they had good coverage on LeBron, but LeBron is LeBron. He's the the best player in the league. And so he's going to get past that first man on occasion. But I thought, you know, the Raptors did a good job of, of being strong with the help defense, especially Bismack Biombo. Mm-hmm. But he's not there anymore. And so I was, you know, I was a little bit worried for the Raptors going into the season until they traded for Serge Ibaka, who had some, some big-time uh, moments against the Bucks, including yeah. a huge block of Giannis in the second half of Game 6. Right. So how do you compare, you know, what, what the Raptors got out of Biombo? with what they might be able to get out of Ibaka into the, in this Cavs series? I think Ibaka brings that more of that playoff experience um, just behind Corey Joseph uh, for the Toronto Raptors. Um, I think he's a pivotal rebounder, but I think he can also stretch the floor as well. I mean, you've seen him, you've seen him knock down the three as well, and I think that's definitely what you need in a big these days. Um, I think he finds a way to really impact the game through his defensive, um, through his defense, but. I I think he's also versatile when it comes to um, that tra- playing that transition game as well. He, he can knock down the block on one end, then he can run down the court and like dunk it on the other. Um, I think that he is going to be a pivotal force when it comes to um, that playing that deep that defensive toughness. I think he adds more um, than Ibaka did. I think that Ibaka was a great presence in the paint, but I think that Serge just elevates that to another level. And I think that's definitely what um, the Cavs are going to have a struggle with when it comes to, for example, we'll see in game one. Um, And then 
I, uh, I know you haven't mentioned him as yet, but I think PJ Tucker will also be a pivotal factor too, because he just does the dirty work. And I think he was a, a really great pickup, um, from the Phoenix Suns this, um, at the trade deadline as well. Okay. So, I mean, I think there are some good analogies between Giannis and LeBron. And so going from one series with Giannis to another series, uh, with LeBron, you know, you can probably take that analogy and run with it a little bit. And so in terms of the Raptors defense, how do you, uh, how do you say, that's how you say defense in Canada too, right? It's offense. That's different, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, de- yeah. Defense. I, I personally defense say is just defense. defense. <laughs> it's just defense. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, um, <laughs> Uh, Canadian terms. <laughs> let's let's put it this way: when it, when push came to shove and the Raptors desperately needed a stop in some of the closing minutes of these games, who would they use to guard Giannis? Did they use Tucker? Did they use Damari Carroll? Did they use somebody else? And would you expect it to be the same for LeBron? Yeah, I. But I, they so, did use a little bit of everyone. Um, okay. I think that they are going to be doing that same thing. Um, a little, but I. Um, it's it, it's funny because um, as much as you can try and stop LeBron, you won't. Sure. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, they think that they have the pieces in place in terms of like, I, Damari's definitely going to be on him. Um, you're going to see PJ. You're going to see Baca. You're going to see them pack the paint for sure. Um, you know, try to close out the passing lanes, especially when LeBron's on the verge of doing something crazy. Um, but it also comes down to protecting the perimeter defense as well and um, executing on that end of the floor too because, I mean, when they get hot, the Cavs get hot. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that surprised me a little bit. All right, actually, let me backtrack before we leave this topic. If it was up to you, you've got one possession, Cavs are down by one at the end of the game, and you want somebody to guard LeBron for one possession. You know, if it's if it's Coach Pyle, who who do you put on LeBron? Uh, I. That's a tough one. I I want to put PJ on him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's what I would do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So one of the things that surprised me about the 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 Raptors Buck series, and this is going a little bit off script, so sorry if I throw you a little bit of a curveball, but Milwaukee actually had the best three point percentage of any team in the first round of the playoffs. And the Cavs, if there's one thing about this Cavs team that, that I like compared to previous Cavs teams is that they look like they can really shoot the three. Is is there something in the Raptors defense that gets you a little bit nervous as far as three-pointers, or was that just a case of Milwaukee getting hot for six games? I, I, you know, I actually did notice that as well. I thought that the Raptors definitely with, um, like, DeMar is more of a, he his, he likes to get into the paint and, um, or stretch, stretch it to, like, a long two, um, I found that the Raptors, as much as they did shoot the three, I thought that they were trying to be aggressive um, and get to the line. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure what the um, what their free throw numbers were like, but I know that they did miss some pivotal ones down the stretch. But I, I think that, um, yeah, uh, the Cavs, 
the, the Cavs three point shooting does scare me, but I mean that's it's a perimeter oriented game, so I think that the the Raptors definitely need to do a better job of guarding that um, the perimeter. Uh, they're not. I don't think that they're the best when it comes to perimeter defense, but I think that is something that they need to def- heavily focus on, especially in this series with the Cavs. Okay. I want to take a minute to talk about today's sponsor, Poli Mortgage Group. Poli Mortgage Group encourages people to shop rates when they're looking to refinance or buy a new home. They have some of the lowest rates in the country and some of the lowest closing costs too. They will even give you a quote where they'll credit you money towards the closing costs or cover all of them. Check them out at www.polimortgage.com. That's www.polimortgage.com or call 781-232-8000. Make sure to tell them that ATL and 29 sent you to receive a credit of $50 towards your closing costs. Offers cannot be combined with other offers. Poli Mortgages, Rates, Integrity, Service. All licensing information is in the show notes. Poli is an equal housing lender. One of the things that I saw on TV that I thought was, I don't know, maybe kind of cute, like not a really a big deal, is, uh, you know, I I think the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, arena operations, they started playing like Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> And then, you know, like late in the game, if somebody started a USA, USA chant, uh, <laughs> is that corny? I mean, is is yeah. it okay for them to play up the, the USA-Canada rivalry, you know, just as long as we realize that, you know, most of the Raptors are from the United States. And, you know, even with the case of the Bucks, you know, you've got players like Giannis from Greece and, and Thom Macaire from South Sudan. I think that it's so cheesy and it's, it's so corny i just don't understand the impact that it'll make like i don't it, i don't see how it gets um fans excited like <laughs> you're right because half the players are not even from like their respected country like Giannis is is from sudan uh from greece um and uh, yeah like um Thon Makers from originally from Sudan, then Australia, and then he played um, here in um, in Orangeville um, during his time when he was in Canada. So, I mean, you have all of these players that are from different parts of the world. That it's not just a U.S. Canada rivalry, and I don't I, that it, I, it bothers me <laughs> the same way that they played. Barney, when the Raptors were being introduced, uh, <laughs> the series, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you know things get chippy like that in the in the Wizards Hawks series. You know, after Markeith Morris called Millsap a crybaby, then when they, when Millsap would enter the game in Washington for the rest of the series, they were playing Rugrats, <laughs> like the theme song, just to kind of you know play yeah. up the crybaby angle. I, I don't, I don't understand, and then. Sorry, I know this is probably off topic. Too, no, but go for it. I also, I also think that the MVP chant is the most played out chant in the NBA. Yes, yeah, it needs like a, you know, some ironic humor or something added to it because it's yes. it's just not interesting at this point. That's true. No, no. Side note. Go on. <laughs> no, that's good. I I think that's a good opinion. I am 100 percent with you on that one. 
<laughs> so I'm I'm interested in the the Canadian fandom and and fans from Toronto. Like you watch some of these basketball games on on ESPN and whatnot, and they'll show you know panoramic shots of Jurassic Park with you know thousands of Raptors fans standing outside just to be close to the arena and watch the game on a big screen TV. Like, you know, the Raptors haven't been the most successful NBA team. And that's not a put down. It's just, you know, they haven't won a championship. And so when you compare what they have to some other teams around the league, they seem to have some very loyal fans. Uh, How did they build that up? Where does that come from? Definitely. I think it just comes from the... um knowing that basketball is a game that can be be played anywhere and it's it's such a diverse game and I think um one of the factors too is it's just the atmosphere and the arena um knowing that it's just a fun atmosphere atmosphere to be a part of um there's there's kids of all ages um there's just so much diversity that I see within the arena as opposed to maybe um, going to a hockey game or, um, I, it just, you just see a difference in a crowd. Um, you see more young people flocking to the Raptors, um, getting behind this team, uh, knowing so much about the game of basketball. Uh, I remember when the Raptors first came into existence, it was like, um, fans knew nothing about, um, about the game or not nothing, but they didn't know as much about the game. I remember there was, um, I think it was, uh, the GM, uh, uh, one time or no, um, it was one of, um, yeah, the coach, the first ever coach, um, of Brendan Malone of the Toronto Raptors, his son, um, had mentioned one time in, um, in a press conference that when, the Raptors were first uh, when they had played one of their first games. They was at the Sky Dome at the time, and he's like, "There were still under the fans were still understanding the game of basketball, but there came a point when it was the home team that was shooting free throws, but they were all still mocking the the guy at the free throw line." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> there was definitely a learning curve there that <laughs> that needed to um, happen, but. As as time went on, and as as um, the Raptors became more of a prominent focus within the community, um, they the fans have definitely learned the game, and just love watching this team play. Just because they give it all they have to, and um, there's just so much um, with it. Like there's basketball is a unique game in which you just feel that you are part of it, just the way that it is set up. Um, Like you can be courtside and you can almost like touch a player, you know, and, or just watch how tall these players are and how like each possession so closely. And um, I think that definitely helps elevate it as well. And then when you're watching the game from Jurassic Park, it's just, it's just such a scene to see so many people decked out from head to toe in Raptor gear and just like coming to support their team. And it's, it's a cool atmosphere to be part of as well. Um, I think this, this time around in the square, I've just, I just feel like, um, there was a, there was a huge, Leafs when the Leafs were in as well um it was it's been the first time I think ever that both the Leafs and Raptors have been 
in the playoffs at the same time. So you would see a sea of blue and white. And then all of a sudden, if it was a back-to-back game, you'd see then the the sea of blue and white change to a sea of red and white. So <laughs> <laughs> you see, you see all that. Um, but I just feel like this year, it's just, it feels different in the sense of, I think the fans have a little bit more of an expectation knowing how far the Raptors went last year in the playoffs sure. that, um, that they expect they would get out of the first round. Um, I think, I think that they expected it would be a little bit easier to get out of the first round, but I mean, fine you know they accomplished that feat in six games but we'll see kind of what happens this time around when it comes to facing the Cavs so it's going to be interesting I think okay so uh, you know looking at that Cavs series and we kind of hit on it a little bit before um, but you know the Cavs have Tristan Thompson starting off in the paint, you know, starting games for them as a rebounder and shot blocker and a physical presence inside. But, you know, I think one of the things that makes Cleveland unique is that they can do some things with their bench where they put four amazing shooters around LeBron. Uh, You know, they can put Channing Frye at center. They could, and have Kevin Love beside him as a rebounder who can also shoot threes. They can move Kevin Love to center. You know, they have ridiculous shooters like Kyrie Irving and J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver. Um, assuming that, you know, it's an important situation, let's say, at the end of games and everybody, you know, is able and healthy and and willing to play, what's sort of the best Toronto defensive lineup that you can use in a situation like that where guys are going to have to fly around because they're going to have to get out to the three-point line and back and out again and back again as the ball moves around the court. What's the best five-person, let's say, mobile three-point defense type of lineup that the Raptors can use? I think the Raptors need to go big. I would say, like, DeMar, Serge. um, I think P.J. would be a would be a factor in there as well. Sure. Um, and Kyle, hmm. I was thinking Kyle um, for off, you know, you also have to score enough points in those situations too. Cause yeah, the Cavs are going to make some of them. All right. So we've got four, we've got Kyle, DeMar, Serge, PJ, uh, a fifth one, you know, Patterson or who, who, who else would you put in there? I would, I was thinking Norm, maybe Norm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one because he can really, yeah, yeah, he can do a lot of, you know, if, if it's a situation where they want to, let's say, switch on defense or have to switch. Exactly. You know, he can, he guard a lot of different players. Well, that's a good, that's a good one. That's intriguing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. Um, yeah, it would be, um, it would be interesting in terms of like the way that the ball would move and um, just the, it just has to be packing the perimeter in terms of, knowing how how well the Cavs can shoot, especially like you mentioned with um, those pivotal forces beyond okay. behind the arc. Uh, again, I you know going off script a little bit though. We brought up Kyle for the first time. How has he looked health wise and performance wise since he came back from that injury? Is is he looking like the ridiculously good player he was before he got hurt? Um, I think Kyle is not there yet. I think that his back is also giving him a little bit of a problem as well. Um, but 
I think he was off to a slow start to start the the playoffs. Um, but I think he's slowly finding his groove. Um, however, I don't think he's like that explosive yet to to that we saw earlier this season. Um, it, it could be because a lot of it, like he has played basketball. Um, I don't think he's actually even had any sort of time off and like until um, having that surgery as well. Uh, he has been just go, go, go. So I think for him, um, he's been able to impact in different ways um, through, uh, but also I, I know he's such a pivotal force for the Raptors, especially when it comes to scoring. So uh, I do expect to see more out of Kyle in this next series for sure. Okay. Uh you know, I know if that the Hawks had gotten to to play the Cavs in a series, we probably would have seen less Dwight Howard because of some of the shooting lineups we mentioned before. Yeah. Um, you know, when they play Channing Frye as center, that's just a situation that's not wouldn't have been good for Dwight because he's not a guy who's going to defend out near the three point line. Right. The Raptors have kind of a similar situation, I think, with with Jonas Valanciunas. You know. If if Tristan Thompson goes out of the game and Valanciunas goes out, let's say with him, uh, is, is that okay with him? And does he, does he sort of understand that that his role is limited, or you know, is this sort of competitive spirit take over and he starts to think, oh, you know, I really want to play more? I mean, how do, how does that dynamic play out when when teams kind of force the Raptors' hand to go small? Um, I think that I think that they accept that challenge in in a way, but I, I feel like. Within that instance, too, I think we've seen throughout the regular season when um, JV has been out a lot when it comes to pivotal moments down the stretch, especially in the fourth quarter. But um, the Raptors rally and find a way to win. I just feel like JV would be – I think that he would still be pivotal in um, when it comes to um, closing out games. Uh, like we, we saw instances um, – towards the tail end of the season where he was inserted into the um, lineup in the fourth. And um, especially like having a big man in the paint is, is pivotal, especially because he was averaging every, every time he was in the game, he would get a double double. And um, he just has this presence that if he can get touches and if he can get to the line, I think that just impacts the game even more. But when you do go small, I think the Raptors, I think the Raptors are successful when they go small in, in different ways, especially when it comes to letting it up from distance. Um, but I, I think that they do have what it takes to counteract that small lineup when, um, which the caps will put out. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, with, with guys like Jonas, it's, it's, uh, you know, even though they might not be there at the end of the quarters and at the end of the fourth quarter, you know, they still have an impact in that, you know, they might get people in foul trouble early in the quarter. You know, if you if he comes in in the fourth quarter and, you know, puts in a couple of post moves and draws a foul and there are a couple of fouls there and it helps the Raptors get to the free throw bonus a little bit earlier or get somebody in foul trouble and they have to leave the game, you know, he's still having an impact after he leaves just because of the good things that he did before, right? Exactly. All right. Okay, and I have an unhealthy fascination with some of the Raptors' young players. Um <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, I, I kind of, I'm of the opinion that the the Raptors 905 D League team uh, that just won the D League championship, I kind of feel like that that was the best D League team we've ever seen. Um, you know, there's there, 
the Raptors are interesting, and they played some lineups, some really long lineups with Pascal Siakam and Bruno Caboclo and Eddie Tavares, who was a guest on this podcast uh, a couple of months ago. But uh, they had some they had some real incredible success in the D League, and you know, one thing that I was really struck by with Raptors 905 is that you know I've watched a lot of D League games and. You know, if you watch a lot of NBA games and then you go and watch D-League games, sometimes it's kind of painful. You yeah. say, oh, wow, the basketball here is not very good. When I watch the 905 and watch them pass the ball and execute offensively where everybody was in the exact right spot making the exact right pass, it's like, oh, wow, you know, this is a good team. And this coach, Jerry Stackhouse, you know, this is the first time he's ever been a head coach. This is amazing. Exactly. A shout out to Stackhouse. He's, he's really done a excellent job with this Raptors 905 team. It's been phenomenal. Um, I'm just viewing some of the numbers. Caboclo went 13 of 19 from the floor, including five of seven from three. Like he was lighting things up. Fred, Fred Van Vliet added 28 points. Pascal, who was, um, he was the, uh, was it rookie of the month or was it, um, he was uh he was probably NBA rookie of the month when he was starting all those games early in the season is that what we're And um also or... with the DP he was like oh, okay. uh, he was a player of the month or something okay. he was um definitely the MVP of of the series um when they won and I he he was very impactful for um for the Raptors 905. It definitely, I agree with you. It's a solid team that they had uh, put together and were able to go out there and win the championship. The first, the first for um, for the for a D League affiliate in Toronto. Yeah. So, um, what about Bruno? You know, there was you know, the, I don't know who coined it, but somebody came up with the phrase. He's he's two years away from being two years away, which is. You know, it's catchy and it sticks in the mind and it's kind of an unfair tag. But yeah. like you said, he went five from nine from three. I mean, how close is he to being an NBA player? Because he has, you know, ridiculous length. I mean, when they were playing him at small forward, you know, that that's incredible because, you know, here's a guy who's like 6'10 with a 7'6 wingspan. And, you know, compared to the small forwards in the D League, you know, when they look up and see him on defense, it's just not a lot of room for them to do much. I agree. I, I don't like, I, I question that as well. I mean, is he, is he NBA ready? I just feel like the, I just don't know if he is like just based on, on what I've seen him in like spurts of an end of game when it comes to a blowout or something like that. Um, but I think he's, he, can make his presence felt, but I just don't think that he has that. I think there's something in his game that's missing for him to just jump to that next level. If, if you know what I mean, um, right. I, I'm trying to pinpoint what exactly that is, but, um, it, I mean, I've seen his, he's tough on D. Um, he, he can nail the long ball. Like we did just saw in the, uh, Raptors nine Oh five game, um, in the championship game. But, there's just um, there's certain uh, factors I think when it comes to um, it could be like the physicality level, especially when it comes to an NBA game that he's just not quite there yet. Uh, 
I definitely think that there is still room to improve uh, okay. for him to take that next leap. Um, maybe it is some off-season, maybe it is some moves that he has to incorporate into his game, especially um, for the coming season. Okay, yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, he's, he's so tantalizing. And, you yeah. know, he seems like a guy where what he really needs most is just to play, you know, even if it's not successful playing, but just get that experience. And, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 because what he needs to, to get better is to just play a lot. But then, you know, it might not be the most productive early on, but you're you're playing him looking at maybe the dividends that you get two years from now. But then for a team like the Raptors, you know, he may not be a Raptor in two years because his contract goes up or whatnot. So it's it's kind of an interesting uh, conundrum. It, it's interesting because um, it was a... Uh... I actually was just a couple of days ago. Um, it was bef- ahead of them playing game two in Toronto. He was uh, practicing at their practice facility. And um, I just uh, went just to uh, 300 level because uh, I just, my office is right there and just had a moment where um, I was just kind of seeing what the atmosphere was going to be like for the, for the night ahead. And sure. um he was just there sitting, um, on one of the steps and just kind of looking, um, you know, had a sweat built up and everything. I just had a brief conversation with him, just asking him like, you know, when the next game it was that they were going to play, um, you know, wishing him the best of luck. And, um, he's just such a down to earth, young, nice guy, you know, learning the ropes. I think he's enjoying his time here in Toronto as well. Um, and it's just someone I, I hope to see succeed in the NBA for sure. It's funny that you say that sort of spying on the atmosphere early yeah. in the game because I wanted to ask you about Bebe. And, you know, one of the things that I remember about him is that, you know, last year when they came to Atlanta, I was in the arena early, you know, five thirty, six o'clock or something like that, probably, you know, somewhere around there. And the Raptors on their end, you know, it was just the young guys playing three on three, you know, playing three on three hard too. So you were figuring, okay, these were the guys that weren't going to play in the game because they were playing this three on three game. Like it was the main event and it was five of the Raptors young guys. And it was Stackhouse who was an assistant coach. Then he wasn't coaching in the D he was the Raptors assistant coach. And it's funny because, you know, as, as talented and as promising as, as the Raptors young players were, you watch Stackhouse and you say, Wow, he's the best player in that group. He he could still play in the NBA if he wanted to. But uh the funny thing is that, you know, one of the five young guys, I think it was Caboclo and Delon Wright and and Bebe, and they played that three on three game hard and then the actual regular game between the Hawks and the Raptors, uh things didn't go well, I wanna say for Jonas early for Jonas early on. And they ended up turning to Bay Bay, you know, even though he had played so hard in that three on three game, you know, they just took the rotation and flipped it upside down and, and they, they tried Bay Bay and it was starting to work and he was, you know, being an excellent rim protector and he ended up being the deciding factor in a big comeback win for the Raptors. You know, is, is he the type of player who, who's going to get any time at all in this series? I mean, is, you know, once you get, Serge Ibaka, is there a role for Bebe or, or is, is he going to be the kind of guy where maybe it works out for him in the NBA, but not necessarily with the Raptors? 
I know it's hard to believe because I remember um, early in the season he was um, he was filling that void that we were missing from Bismack especially. But then once that trade came around and and the Raptors acquired Serge, it was kind of like we we saw less and less of him um, in the rotation. I I think that with Serge, um, his uh, baby's minutes are definitely numbered, and I I just unless something earth shattering happens um, to the lineup that's in place right now, I doubt that we're going to see too much of Bebe uh, during the playoffs. And I, I agree with you. I think that um, I think his minutes will be numbered and, and um, he definitely is a, a strong force, especially when it comes to protecting the paint. Um, but it seems to me that uh, he might, he might have to like potentially search for another home I, and as much as it hurts me to say that because I do sure. love his game and I do love the impact that he brings to the team but as we see right now and as you see in the playoffs like rotations get tighter like you're you're in sure. a, um eight eight man rotation I would say like give or take um so it's kind of hard to stretch out as you are during the regular season so in that sense you might see something change i would say potentially you never know though who knows what Masai is thinking these days? <laughs> true <laughs> that's true that's absolutely true and you know serge is going to be a free agent right is that my mistaken there i believe going so. off script so yeah yeah I think so, so you know the, i guess the raptors will have some options there as they try to balance their books all right is there anything we missed anything you want to add to our discussion um, oh, my predictions. Okay, I was saving that. I was going to ask you that. I was let, I was clear in the air, and then we were going to end with the prediction. All right, okay. so what's okay, your prediction? Yeah. Um, well, actually, there is one thing I did want to say. Um, I was listening to um, the NBA on TNT, and um, Charles, I guess, he was asked the question, you know, do the Raptors think that they have what it takes to beat the Cavs? And Charles was just like, I know DeMar DeRozan believes that, but the whole team needs to believe that in order for the Raptors to win. I think that the, the Raptors do believe that. I think that that is their mentality. Knowing how they faced them last season and uh, last postseason and right. um, knowing some of the nuances and, and the strategy that the Cavs bring forth, I, I believe, I strongly believe that the Raptors not have figured it out, but have can challenge them can and I of course do not believe that it's going to be a sweep but I think that the Raptors can win in seven wow okay so let's see that that's a that's winning it in Cleveland then correct winning on the road in seven that would be winning in Cleveland yeah wow wow okay I know that's far-fetched but you know what you never know no, I mean, if the Raptors are going to do it, this is they have kind of put the chips on the table. So this this, this kind of has to be their year. I don't know. I mean, I I kind of don't believe in this Cleveland team the same way that I believed in Cleveland. Uh, you know, in past years, especially last year, I think Cleveland had a, a really great team, and you know, J.R. Smith and Kevin Love. I think they made big strides last year, and they might have even taken a little bit of a step back this year due to injury. Um, so, 
you know, I, I actually think this is a year when the Cavs don't make it out of the East for the first time in forever, or LeBron doesn't make it out of the East for the first time in forever, but I'm not sure Toronto is the team to do it, but I I think Toronto plays a role here. I think that Toronto is kind of the team that's going to steal the Cavs' legs a little bit, and that maybe Washington is the team that beats them. I know, I, I guess I'm being a down on the Raptors here. I mean, I, I don't discount the Raptors. I mean, I think getting Ibaka and Tucker was, was kind of genius by Masai. Yes. But... You know, I think the Cavs, you know, LeBron just has another gear when he wants to get to it. I just don't know that all of his teammates can get there with him and that he can do it in two whole series. So I kind of like the the Wizards' path to, to get into the finals, as crazy as that sounds. I think they're the bottom, you know, the bottom seed of the four teams that are left. But I'm kind of a Washington person going forward. Even before they beat the Hawks, I kind of thought that Washington had a pretty good shot at the finals. So I, I was I was thinking that a couple of months ago. I don't know. We'll Interesting. see. <laughs> I have a question for you actually as well. Uh, like outside of the Cavs three, big three, I mean, I don't find that their bench is as significant. I, do, I don't I, – I just feel like, like you said, I think last year's team was – showed us better, like what was way better than, than what I see right now from them. That's my opinion. I don't. I don't. I wanted to get your opinion um, on what you think of the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I think the big question mark with the Cavs is, you know, how many how many good two way players do they have? I mean, right. Ky- Kyrie is great on offense. Kevin Love is great on offense and as a rebounder. Channing Frye is great on offense. Ky- uh, Kyle Korver is great on offense. Uh, LeBron, of course is the best two-way player. Even if he's not the MVP, I still think he's the the best player in the league. But I just don't, you know, you know, and then there are some defensive players. You know, Thompson is a great defensive player. Um, I think that uh, Iman Shumpert is a great defensive player. But I just don't know if they have enough good two-way players to keep up with the Raptors. I mean, I think that's the big question mark. And, you know, like I said, last year, I think J.R. Smith was a great two-way player. I mean, I think he really figured it out defensively and was healthy and was just maybe playing the best basketball of his career. But I don't know if he has that in him this year. And if he doesn't, I just don't know that the Cavs have enough defenders to stop the Raptors. So if the Raptors can score a lot of points and just kind of make it a a knockdown drag out, you know, 117-115 game, then then maybe they can just score enough points on the Cavs and, and make it happen that way. But, uh, you know, I th- at the same time, the, the Raptors are going to have to be tough mentally, which, you know, is a little bit nerve-wracking given their um, history. Um, especially coming into uh, game ones, you know, the Raptors' all-time record is 1-11 when it comes to the first game of a playoff series. So especially being on the road and, and I remember being in the, um, in the arena at the queue last year and just how loud their fans are compared to the fans, the, the fans in Toronto are loud, but the Cavs fans just take it to another level out there. Wow. I just can't even. I, I remember just um, being in media row, and my table was shaking, and it's just you can't even hear yourself think. <laughs> it's, that, it's that defying. It's like it's insane, but it's it's great to see just how much support that the fans in Cleveland have for this sure. team. 
that may actually maybe that works for the Raptors, you know, because sometimes I think if if you're playing at home for game one and things aren't going well and then the fans are like quiet, it's almost like it's like you get a little bit spooked by the fact that your fans are just gone because you're playing poorly. I think if they do that to the Cavs, maybe it, it works to their mental advantage, but we'll see. We definitely it's will. Be interesting. We can't wait for game one. Yeah, this is, you know, I I have to say that, you know, I was a, a I don't want to say, I, I was a poor NBA fan in, in round one, and not in the sense that I wasn't following basketball all the time, because I was, but I was following, you know, the Hawks series and some of the East series. I lost track of the, <laughs> I lost track of some of the Western Conference series. Oh, it was just too much. There was too, too many games, too many nights, but, you know, this this upcoming round, I'm I'm definitely this is the series I'm really keeping track of. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, me too. I so, mean, yeah, no, it's gonna be great. Well, thank you for coming on to uh, to 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 give me the uh, insider Raptor perspective. I I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Anytime. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it too. <laughs> well, have uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. I have a great one. You too. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.